Yo, 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 I am Dustin Mikesell, and this is the Watchmen Inc. Podcast. Are you tired of the deception of the Matrix? Here, we will build a case around God's plan for the mad world, using biblical history and the application of the scriptures to provide hope and truth in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. up everybody this is the watchman inc podcast and here we are today with another one but got a little something special for you we're gonna you know continue to record and get these episodes pumped out but uh yeah we wanted to add the visual aspect of uh, the recording because we know that people like to see the face behind the voice so that's what we're gonna do today we're gonna we're gonna do a little video teaching and we're gonna do teachings from the bible as you can see uh today i just have it on my heart to talk about something that comes with the season that we're entering into on earth many different seasons and seasons are signs from god and i want everybody to understand what is coming and what the lord is doing right now with this season of life and that is the separation of the wheat and the tear or the wheat and the chaff which if you're not following my social media follow watchman inc Instagram or dmike77. I got two accounts and then obviously on Facebook, I got a Twitter, Watchman Inc. So as you see in the title here, Watchman Inc., that's the social media that you will go and follow. So yeah, go ahead and give that a follow if you know you enjoy this content and you enjoy biblically based stuff, which the Holy Spirit is leading. That's what we talk about on this podcast all the time is that we, we all like to, you know, think about ways that we interpret the Bible or that we see what God is saying in his holy scriptures. But at the end of the day, we have to take what it's saying as the authority, because if Jesus is teaching something, we shouldn't really add our own spin onto it or try to, you know, understand it on a deeper level if Jesus already made us understand what the, what the meaning was. And you have to also understand that studying all the books of the Bible help tie in these things that Jesus taught, you know, during his time on earth and his ministry. Because remember, he didn't come to destroy the old way. He came to fulfill the law. So when people, you know, think that the New Testament is like overshadowing the Old Testament, no, no, it's just the new covenant that God has set forth on people because of what he came and what he did. And the Old Testament is obviously the foretelling and the prophecy that he would come and do what he did. So, you know, we'll start, we'll look at some of the old things. Uh, we'll look at uh, Daniel today. We'll look at um, uh, what it means to, you know, be in the fire. And then we'll also look at what Luke speaks of and then Matthew. And then we'll go back to Luke. And I think that, you know, that should give us a pretty good insight of what, you know, it is we're trying to understand here with this teaching today, the separating of the wheat and the chaff. So, I also want to get into what it means to separate that and the and the process that goes into that because I think a lot of people read these things and they don't understand that Jesus uses real world examples to try and help us understand what he is trying to have us understand in the spiritual realm, you know. He he used parables so much because people couldn't understand what he was talking about nor could they understand the heavenly things. So that's actually why you see in the Bible that God doesn't really 
speak on heaven too much. Yes, he he reveals the mystery of heaven and how to get to heaven and how to, you know, be saved and go to heaven. But the mysteries of like what heaven looks like and what, what exactly is going to go on in heaven, he, he can't describe it. He literally had the hardest time. And, you know, most of the people that came up to Jesus and wanted to know these mysteries were the religious Pharisees or the folk that wanted these signs and proof. Remember, Jews, they really love seeing signs. I mean, that's why God created all the things that he did and gave us so many signs and seasons and foretold us of signs in the sky, you know, that we would see for the time on the earth. So the signs are for all of us, but the Jews really look for signs. And it even mentions that in the Bible, I'd have to go and find the verse. But yeah, signs are, you know, things for God to show us, you know, this is my will and this is my control. This is why all throughout history, you know, mankind has changed in the sense of civilization, powers, governments, blah, 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 kings, rulers. But what we see in the Bible is that God created the seasons and we see on earth, God created this, you know, this looping effect of you may change as men and women and civilization and society, your ideas, you know, your fundamentals, you know, what the things that you're rooted in and the things that you pursue and, uh, you know, want to acquire or do on earth, but nothing changes how God is. And you see that with the seasons and the signs, um, you know, you'll always get winter, spring, summer, fall back to winter, you know, you have this reoccurrence of, of seasons to just prove that God doesn't change. He's been the same since the beginning when he created the earth to now in the end times when he is going to essentially make a new earth. Cause remember this earth and everything will pass away if you read revelation, but we won't really get into that today, but it, it is amazing to see how man wants to continuously say that, you know, God changes or that there's many different gods or this or that. But if you know the true God, just like the Israelites did and the ones that they worshiped, you'll know that he He made the, the, the things in the sky, the sun and the moon and the, and the stars and everything in it so that we would know that he is forever the same. And that's what I think sometimes people think is that as times go on, that God changes or his will or his want or the things that he says is going to come to pass, like won't happen. But <laughs> God's going to show everybody, you know, just like he shows us with the signs and the, and, and the seasons. See, the seasons are so important to God because they're this they're this reflection of periods of time on earth and things that will happen and things that he says will happen. And, you know, we just have to be watching these seasons, just like we watch out for the new seasons. Now we have to watch these seasons of life that Jesus and God talked about. All right. And that's why it's so important to understand the separation of the wheat and the tare, because that is, you know, a parable about harvesting. And we all understand harvesting. If you garden or you do any type of grocery shopping and you like fresh fr fruits and vegetables, there, there comes a time when you plant the seed and then you see the seed grow. And remember, we just plant the seeds just like we plant the seeds of faith in other people's lives. You see the seed and you plant it and you hope that it sprouts and then you water it and God does the rest. That is tr truly amazing to grow your own food and to see how God works with that whole you know process of taking this tiny little seed, this tiny little thing that has just this DNA and this encoded message within its structure, just kind of like us, you know, the way we were created, we were created in the image of God. Seeds are a representation of 
what God can do with something small. And what does he say? If you have the faith of a mustard seed, it will grow into something that literally no storm or nothing can, can blow over. If you see the, the seed of a mustard, the mustard seed, it's one of the tiniest seeds that you can acquire on earth. But yet when you plant it and when it roots strong and when it grows to its full potential, it's one of the biggest trees that ends up growing from this tiny seed. And so that's why, you know, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. You see, God is trying to tell us that it takes just a little bit of faith to really move and to have God move on you. Okay. And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to have the faith of a mustard seed, because if we truly had the great faith of a mustard seed, think about how tiny that true faith is to move mountains. God, I think God literally meant that. I don't think he just meant that in the mind. I think he literally meant if you had great enough faith that you could could move a mountain. You could say, mountain, move. Move from here to move to there, okay? And that's amazing to think that we have the power within us to move mountains. And I think that was, like I said, a, du a dual purpose of you can move mountains in the sense of you may come across trials and tribulations in your life that, you know, you feel like you need to have just a constant uphill battle. But, you know, with with God and with faith in him and his grace and his salvation, you can move all of these, you know, things in your life that you think are in the way or keeping you from, you know, being used by God in the way that he wants to use you. I really do believe that. You know, if we really applied that faith that Jesus taught us about, kind of like the woman that reached out and just wanted to touch Jesus's garment, you know, garment, she, he was just walking by and she was a woman that had had a blood disease for like many years of her life. She, she was pretty much on the ground at all times and people just passed her by every single day. You know, there's not much you could do for those people. There wasn't great medical treatment or anything like that. And obviously people could pray, but a lot of times people that were sitting on the ground or sitting, you know, that had ailments, people avoided them because they truly believed that they were cursed, you know, so they didn't want to get these curses or they didn't want to be infected by, you know, that's why the ones with leprosy or whatever, you know, it was so radical for Jesus to go up to these people and heal them and obviously use them as a, as a proof to show that he uses the worst of the worst or the sickest of the sickest to fulfill his glory and his grace. And that story is in the Bible is because as Jesus was walking by, the woman said, if only I touch the garment of his, uh, of his, you know, if only I touch his garment, I will be healed. And so she literally reached out to touch his garment. And when he felt that somebody touched him, he said, who touched, who touched me? And she looked and she goes, I believed that if I touched your garment, Lord, that I would be healed. And he said, how great a faith do you have? Be healed. Every time that Jesus healed somebody, it was because they had faith that he would do it. Now, that's what we all depend on as Christians or people in the body. You know, we depend on our faith to get us through because faith is ultimately the things unseen and that we believe that Jesus is working in the in the realm of the unseen, even though he's alive and well. And you can see once again, you just look outside and see the trees and look at all the earth and everything that's been created. There's nothing that man can replicate nor, you know, do. Man says that he creates a lot of stuff, but remember, he's already taking from something that was already existing before he existed. So really, man doesn't create anything. We just 
just take what God has given us the ability to create from and that free will of be, you know, learning and understanding the things that he allows us to understand. And even some of the things I don't think he wanted us to understand. Remember, there's a spiritual war going on right now where the devil and his angels teach people things too. They, they were heavily influencing the the old world and that's ultimately before the flood and you know if you listen to my podcast before this you know we kind of get into that there's the seed of of evil that was spread among the earth you know and it it goes down to the dna and i don't want to tangent too hard onto that either but it's just important to understand that satan also has has a will to teach people or what you know i would say in the you know when i'm exposing the conspiracy side of this this whole thing with the bible the mystery schools or you know the freemasons the illuminati whatever all these pagan you know new age whatever types of organizations or cults that literally believe that you know jesus is just a ascended master or that our, our job as humans is to be god not be you know we're, we're made in the image of god but we can never be god because we can't raise ourselves from the dead that's what makes jesus different from us is that every man that said that he was god or claimed to be god that you know wasn't jesus they end up dying and never were seen again but after jesus was killed three days later people seen him walking around and not only did he walk around for for a few hours you know just to be like oh yes yeah, he i'm god 40 days you know go to the scriptures it, it teaches that he walked around for many days after he resurrected and even getting out of that tomb that the the stone was rolled in front of it literally would have been impossible so this is why christianity and why jesus took took off so hard is because he came back and people were like wasn't this the man that was beaten and tattered to literally nothing and he's back and he's walking around? What is going on? So, you know, I mean, they seen Lazarus raised from the dead. He did that miracle. So it's all comes down to faith. Okay. And Jesus is God. You know, I don't want to get into that with people either in the sense of he's the son of God. Well, yeah, but he is God in the flesh. Like, God has three persons, yet they're all one entity, just like we are. We have a mind, soul, and body, you know. You know, we have the Father who is not Jesus. We have Jesus who is the Son of the Father, but not God. And then we have the Holy Spirit, which is his own person, but they all are the same God. It's not that we worship three gods or Christians. You know, I see this argument all the time. Oh, you worship three gods. It's it's pagan. You know, you can only worship one God. Well, that's what we do. We worship one God, and that's Jesus Christ. And God the Father is the the head of this this you know celestial you know Trinity. That's what we call it, the Trinity. Okay, so when you understand that it's one God, then you will understand that Jesus wasn't just a son or somebody that you know worked for the Father, because he he said, if you've seen the Father and you've seen me, that we are one. Okay, he said, I am. And when did what did you know in the revelation to John? I am the Alpha and the Omega. The 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 claim of I am is what got him crucified. Remember that. People didn't crucify they didn't want to just crucify him because you know he started gaining this following. It was because of the blasphemy of claiming the title of God. Because remember, if Jesus is healing sin, all right, if he's healing sin, he's going around saying your sins may be healed. Who's the only one that can truly forgive sin? God. So if Jesus is going around and healing people's sin and saying your sins are forgiven, what would that make him? 
That would make him God. All right. So go to the scripture, pray to pray to the Holy Spirit because he will help you understand. You know, I'm not sure what Bible you're reading, but there are some bad translations. That's a whole nother podcast, whole nother teaching from today. But these are super important things to understand as you get into the Bible. And as you learn about what Jesus is doing, this is God talking to you. Okay. This isn't just some dude. This is God in the flesh. All right. Glorified. The word was made flesh. All right. So once you understand that, then you can start understanding the teachings a little bit better being like, wow, we should really take this serious. And that's why I said, putting our own spin on things while God wants us to continuously study and understand these things. He wants us to take his word and make it the authority over our life. This is when we can produce good fruit is when we're using the Holy spirit, which was a gift to men read the book of acts. That's when the Holy spirit came after Jesus was killed and resurrected. The gift of the Holy spirit came upon the disciples. All right. So that's important. But let's get into this today. Let's get into this, the separating of the wheat and the tare and what that means and what it says in the Bible about wheat and tare and the harvest. Because like I said, we're getting into the fall season now. And the fall season means that all these crops and all of these things that were prepared in the spring and even before the spring, they were all prepared and, and planted. And now the time to harvest is, has come. And so in the fall... Farmers are really busy. This is the busiest time for farmers or for people that have gardens or do canning. You know, my family has a lot of um, history in doing our own garden. I've always been super blessed to have parents that kind of live old school. You know, they that when I grew up, I had a massive garden and I had things that were super, you know, most kids didn't get the, get the type of life that I have, even being a 90s baby. I was super blessed to have parents that truly cared to grow our own food, show show me the hard work, you know, show us as a family. I have two sisters. Show us kids, you know, what it meant to grow your own food and truly know the source of it. And this was before, you know, the day of age where we live in where, you know, you got all these GMOs and weird things in our food and you really should be trying to grow your own food. It's very easy. Even if you say you don't have the space for a garden, they have pots, you can buy dirt. It, it's probably a better alternative, but it really helps you appreciate God and what he's doing. And, and the amazing, like to see a seed turn into this plant and then just the plant start producing fruit from a flower it's truly amazing. You like, you're seeing the fruit literally growing out of a flower. You're like, you're pretty much just eating flowers. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So um, if you haven't grown your own food, you really should because it, it gives you an appreciation for what these farmers do so that all the food that you eat every single day, you need to realize there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. And so this is why this parable was taught from Jesus about the wheat and the tare and the separation of it is because he's talking about the great harvest someday of his people. God is going to come and take his people. He will take his body. He will take the wheat. If you are in the body of Christ or you are in the camp of Jesus, you know, being your Lord and Savior, you are considered the wheat. Now, if you don't have Jesus, you're considered the, sh the chaff and the chaff gets blown away. The chaff gets thrown into the fire. And we see this is a deeper has a much deeper meaning because if we're separate you know if God's separating during the harvest the wheat and the tare and he's and he's keeping the wheat preserved just like we preserve our food or we get get it ready to store up for the winter to be able to get to be, be able to tap into 
Jesus getting ready to harvest too. A time will come when Jesus will harvest from the earth. And then the rest who are not harvested will be burnt as chaff. All right. The first thing we see here, so we'll go to Luke chapter 3. All right. So Luke chapter 3, and I use the King James Version. That's just where the Holy Spirit led me to in my faith and in my biblical research and reading. There's good versions, but, you know, do a little research on what Bible you're reading because I really believe that the enemy is trying to not keep people from knowing God or his, his character, but I do believe that when you water down the scripture, which does happen and you know <laughs> that's a whole nother teaching and i know that if you're if you're reading a, a bible right now though just know that that's good it's good to read the bible over most everything in this life so i'm not here to knock what bible you're reading i'm just saying i personally teach from the king james and it's not like i'm a kjv only but i i just i love this translation i think that the holy spirit speaks very clearly through it once you understand and get past the the they vows I, I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out and a little bit lazy to say that it's archaic and that it's hard to understand because it was written in ancient times and, and the bible's an ancient book from many many years of history and so sometimes taking what historically something meant and changing it for today's world as i said as things change and man mankind changes we like to take things and change them even if you look at the webster's dictionary if you go back to like the 90s dictionary compared to the webster's dictionary today some definitions have changed and i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing i don't know if it's good to change old things i, f I feel like that can cause confusion so that's just where i stand this is the hill i stand on and you know follow along and if it's a little different go and reference the king james and then reference it back that's what i tell people always use the king james to reference if you're confused or you want to see what the, you know the original because the king james is the original english bible that was given to us and that's an amazing thing the protestant reformation there's so much that goes into how we got the king james and how it even influenced um our, our language you know english it, it literally pulled pulled us out of the dark ages and so yeah do a quick you know do a quick study on that and there's good videos if you need need where to go or instruction on where to head head to for that i can point you in the right direction if you dm me or you know find a way to contact me um <clears throat> but yeah that's it's definitely important but let's go to luke chapter 3 where we see this like kind of beginning of um just what it says we won't read the whole entire chapter but there's a there's up to a portion where it talks about the wheat and the chaff and what what god does with it and so um let's go to luke chapter three so let's present this and like i said this is the first video for the podcast so welcome in i hope that you enjoy it um like i said this is how we kind of want to do it going forward it's been a lot of work and just i've been in a busy season of life having two small children and running this podcast you know solo in the sense of i got my co-host who's not here tonight but it's it, scheduling can be really difficult with you know the season of life that i'm in but once again i really appreciate the support and the love and i hope that you guys enjoy this stuff going forward um so yeah let's go ahead and present um this like i said i'm still getting used to everything and bear with me all right there we go i want to read 
Luke chapter 3, and then go to verse... We'll start at verse... Um, we'll start at verse 15. And as the people were expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, so they're talking about... Uh, John is baptizing people and, you know, he's talking about how he's going to prepare the way of the Lord, verse 4, and make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and crooked shall be made straight and the rough way shall be made smooth. Verse 6, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So then the Pharisees come up to him and he's like, oh, what are you doing here, oh, generation of vipers, which... If you called someone a viper back in the day, that was pretty serious stuff. Because if you understand what a viper does, the viper is actually a really crazy animal with how it burrs and how what happens. Long story short, a viper, a mother, ends up killing the husband. And then the baby gets out of the viper after it has the babies. And the babies eat the mother. So And they kill the mother. So when, when he called them a viper, he's almost essentially calling them... Um, mother mother killers <laughs> that sounds crazy i know but look up the how the birthing and the living and death of vipers go in the whole birthing process and you'll see that when john called these pharisees vipers he was serious about them being some really bad folk okay remember they're the ones that are always trying to kill jesus and always trying to get after him but yeah, him calling them vipers was pretty serious. So we get on to verse 14. And so he's trying to tell them that there's somebody coming that's greater than me. And so, and as the people were in expectations, verse 15, and all the men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, because see, people thought he was the Christ. And he said, John answered saying, verse 16, John answered saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with the fire. Okay. So what he's saying is that we will receive the gift because how is Jesus able to be fully man, but also not ever? sin because in order to get back to God you have to be blameless and sinless and so what is Jesus he's the perfect sacrifice he's the <clears throat> atonement of our sin the perfect atonement the perfect lamb because remember in the Old Testament you had to sacrifice bulls you had to sacrifice for your sins you had to do all these rituals and those ended up always failing men, mankind and God knew this but it was to show that he was going to send his best I mean we look at Isaac and Abraham and we just look at Cain and Abel even what did Abel do he brought his first lamb Cain gave him the the fruits and the vegetables of the ground see it wasn't his best God wants your best and unfortunately we've all fallen short so this is why we need Jesus to come and do what he did and to give us the Holy Ghost with the fire because once the the Holy Ghost enters into you now you can be looked at by God as perfect because it is he who lives in you that's greater than you than not and not yourself because if it was up to us and our good works or anything we could do we would all be destined to hell. And this is why Jesus came to do what he did. And so you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, whose fan is in his hand and he will 
thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner. Garner means like a place or a holding place, like a barn or something. But the chaff will be burned with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. So what, what he's saying here is that, verse 17, Jesus will come and he will purge his floor and he will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff will be burned with fire unquenchable. Okay, so what does it mean to let's so what does it mean to separate the wheat and the and the tear or the wheat and the chaff? Um, the wheat representing the bride, which is the church, which we are under grace. So we are the wheat and the chaff are empty shells. And so the process of separating wheat and chaff is called winnowing. W-I-N-N-O-W, -W, winnow or winnowing. Okay. And let's look at what winnowing, let's look at what winnowing um, uh, represents this is this is truly amazing stuff when you you know take the bible and you look up stuff even that you you might not know this is what i love doing with the scripture i love going to google or just wikipedia whatever and just getting a visual sometimes or getting a, a deeper meaning of what it what it means like separating the wheat and the chaff like a lot of people know what separating means um but it, it's really amazing to see what what he's doing all right so the process of winnowing let's present like i said this is all new i'm just kind of still getting used to this but thank you all for once again tuning in and this is hopefully something that you guys like because this is what we're going to be doing going forward so um present the nope stop all right we'll present the mm-hmm Okay, winnowing. Winnowing is a process in which the chaff is separated from the grain. It can also be used to remove pests from stored grain. Winnowing usually follows threshing and grain preparation in its simplest form. It involves throwing the mixture into the air so that the wind would blow away the lighter chaff while the heavier grains fell back down to recover for the recovery techniques including using a winnowing fan a shaped basket shaken to raise the chaff or a tool or a winnowing fork or a shovel on a pile of harvest grain okay so you actually see this nice example here so she's got this basket this woven basket and see she's shaking it in the air and hoping that the lighter things the, the chaff blow away in the wind while shaking and making the grain which is heavier stay in the basket all right so see this is what it means to to separate the wheat and the tare. This is literally the process. So when Luke is talking, he says, um, verse 17, whose fan is in his hand. So now that you've seen the fan, you see the fan that's in his hand. Okay, it's a basket or something that he carries that he has on his person. That's what we're reading in scripture. So whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor. So what did it say? It said the threshing. So remember the threshing, the process of threshing. Sorry. So the winnowing usually follows threshing in grain preparation. So threshing. So let's look at what threshing is. Threshing or thrashing is the process of loosening the edible part of the grain or other crop from the straw, which is attached. It is the step in grain preparation after reaping. Threshing does not remove the bran from the grain. So this is just getting the, the preparation ready. So see, he's this is called threshing. You're separating. You're hitting it. You are are creating a shaking. 
almost like. So what is he saying in verse 17? Who will thoroughly purge his floor, the threshing floor, so he, he will purge and will gather the wheat into his garner, a barn or a, a special place, which would be heaven. He will gather his wheat into heaven, but the chaff will be burned with fire unquenchable. What was the fire when Lazarus and the rich man died? The fire was unquenchable and the rich man wanted to get out of there. And he talked to Abraham and he said, Father Abraham, get me out of here. And he said, you cannot leave this place. And he goes, just give me a dip of water or a drop of water for my tongue because the fire is unquenchable. So remember, hell is not something to take lightly, people, because a lot of Christians or some sects of Christianity teach that hell's not real or it's not translated. No, Jesus taught all about hell more than he did heaven and this is why it's so important to understand this parable in this process because he's telling you you're either the wheat or you're the chaff you're either light and you're not rooted in god which is the rock the foundation which would make you heavy which would make you the grain you know you're in his basket and will be secured in his basket because of your weight and the weight that he he paid remember he paid a price for you so you're either that or you're your grain, a chaff in the wind, which when he shakes the, the basket, which is a representation of the earth, you will be blown away. And then the chaff goes into the fire. And what does that mean? You'll go into judgment, which ultimately leads to hell. I'm sorry. You know, that's, that's what the Bible is teaching. And that's what Jesus is teaching. That's what John is teaching. This is what Luke is teaching. I mean, they all teach it. So if you have issues with that, then you have issues with God and what he's teaching. And that is something you're going to have to pray about and ask him about and do more studying on and more biblical research because Sheol, hell, it, it's a place of burning, unquenchable fire, okay? And he's going to bring judgment this way as well. What was the first massive judgment that came on the earth? It was the flood and he flooded the earth by water. And what did he do? He gave us a sign so that we would see in the sky that after it rains or that when we see the rainbow, which interesting, a certain community has taken that from God because that's God's symbol. That's God's sign to show that he will not judge the earth with water again and completely and utterly destroy it. And remember, God repented for making humans so even god repented for creating us because we became so evil and so corrupt it truly is amazing when you really analyze what um what what he's truly doing so uh in the old in the old testament and in genesis it really is amazing all the things that he exposed immediately in the garden so now that we got an idea of what threshing is and what the or the threshing floor is and what it means to separate the wheat from the chaff in the basket. So it, we're, so we've just learned that the basket is earth and he's going to shake the earth and he's going to harvest the grain, the wheat, the ones that are secure in him, the one that have accepted his blood and his mercy for their salvation. And then the ones that don't, they will be thrown into the fire. Now, where do we see in the Bible men being thrown into the fire and also a representation of the end times or a vision for the end times? We see it in Daniel, okay? So, bear with me, like I said, just learning everything. So now we'll go to Daniel chapter 3 and we will see that Nebuchadnezzar the king tried to be like the devil, okay? Why was he like the devil? Because he was, he made a golden statue, okay? 
he made a golden statue and it tells us the the story of how nebuchadnezzar was one of the greatest rulers of babylon but he was a you know wicked man for many of his years and worshiped false gods this has always come back to babylon a lot of this perversion and things that you see happening today it really is rooted in ancient babylonian pagan mysticism this is why they call them they call them the mystery schools the illuminati freemasons knights templar blah 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 um it's all rooted back to babylon because this is like one of the greatest cities to ever like come come to earth and that's ultimately why we have multiple languages the city of babel when men there was only one language on earth the men were already figuring out because they had the spirit of satan in them and working with them to show them how to build that's why the masons call themselves the builders all right because they believe that they are the builders of foundations and and the 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 world that we are seeing which they want a new world order they think that they are building that because they want to be god they think that they have dominion over the earth they truly believe this because they have been deceived by the light now is that the light of christ no that's the light of lucifer satan the dragon the snake he's got many names but he is the false light because what does the bible describe him as as an angel of light so when people think that the devil is this little red pitched fork evil thing running around you've just fallen for the hollywood you know propaganda of what satan is and he doesn't appear like that he appears as an angel of light that's why a lot of people in new age and you know get into this stuff they, they think that the God or these things that are talking to them are light and love because it looks right. But have you ever heard the term blinded by the light? That's literally what people are when they follow Satan. They're blinded into darkness. That's That's crazy to think that Satan can be so overwhelmingly bright that he actually blinds you from the truth. Now, when Jesus comes and appears to you, like when he appeared to John, he comforts you and he tells you, don't worry, and I will show you, and I will not blind you. I will show you the truth. I will reveal. God is always in, in the business of revealing, okay? So what did he do in Daniel? Well, he revealed to Daniel, and he also revealed to us the the, the future of, of what would come, okay? And what is that? That's the future generations and the future nations that of the ages of the earth and the empires that would come after Babylon, because obviously Babylon fell and all the great nations eventually fall. And Daniel's vision is about King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, all right? And so he had a dream, and... He was troubled by it, and he said that he would literally kill every single person that was in his council unless somebody could interpret his dream. And obviously nobody knew the dream, and so Daniel prayed to God, and he said, I will find out the dream. And so God gave him the revelation, okay? But first I want to see how this separation of the wheat and the tear tie into Daniel and him being the wheat. See, he is secure. Even with before Jesus, you see that Jesus is securing his people always. He's always providing a way out for them. He's always giving them a way out. He is always trying to provide hope. And, and he truly finds grace upon men even before the blood because he found grace upon David. You know, David committed a terrible sin and he didn't die and in the old time and the and the way of the law and the you know the way things were before christ and the new covenant and the new testament david should have been killed for what he did with Bathsheba. all right and but you know i digress in the sense of god is always providing a way out even with noah what did he do he was perfect in his generations it wasn't that he was a perfect man it was that 
his blood and, and, and what he was able to use Noah for and his family to, you know, repopulate the earth and there were giants on the earth. So that's a whole big deal. But we see in Daniel that the separation of the wheat and the chaff and, the, and Satan trying to throw God's people into everlasting fire and, and deception and to be killed and to be persecuted just like it says will happen in the revelation in the days of revelation when you know being a christian will will pretty much not be allowed because once the beast system and the beast kingdom rises up the new world order and and the mark of the beast you will choose who you serve you will either choose to take the mark to continue to be a part of society where did we see this kind of uh play out uh, a few years ago and uh, we're having some discussion about it coming back. What are they trying to do? They're trying to separate and Satan's trying to show burn you up by by deceiving you, okay? By getting you to worship the the doctrines of men and science and and all this stuff. So it really is amazing to see. So Daniel, let's look at the the statue that he made, okay? And this is a Nebuchadnezzar's kind of like the devil right here and when we see him tempt jesus i'll i'll go to the verse but we just kind of put that into context of nebuchadnezzar is not following god right now he's a very proud arrogant man of great ruler and obviously daniel and uh meshach uh meshach radshach and abednego you know all you know they all worked for him, but they didn't worship him like the rest of the world or the rest of the city or whoever was in his presence. He literally wanted to be worshipped and, and like Satan, because why did Satan fall? Because he said, I would be like the most high. So we see this like representation here in Daniel of Nebuchadnezzar trying to be Satan, almost like he's got the spirit of Satan in him when he has his little soothsayers come to him and tell him you should put up a great statue okay and like they're trying to put they're trying to catch daniel and, and the prophets and in, in in a in a snare all right so daniel chapter 3 nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three three score cubits and the breadth therefore six cubits he set it up in the plain of dura dura in the province of babylon then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather to, together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of all provinces to come to the dedic dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Here, let's present this. All right. So, Daniel. Sorry, just getting a couple things fixed here. Thank you. Okay, so we see that Nebuchadnezzar is pretty much getting every single person who is of a high place or authority, even the smaller people, okay? And he created a commandment, and this is how they were trying to get Daniel and the prophets, you know, into, into pretty much death because they knew that they wouldn't bow to the statue because what is the first commandment? Worship no other God than the your God, Elohim, or Jesus, you know, God the Father, the one that was the true God, they knew. And these magicians and these soothsayers that worked aside by them who were pagan and, you know, did rituals of, of Satan, they knew that they could get uh, Nebuchadnezzar to kill them because they wouldn't bow. And so we see that here in verse 4. Then a herald 
cried out loud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, postery, duke, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And we also see the golden calf. Like, this is all tying in. See, this all ties in together. And our wickedness and the way we put things in idols above God. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. He's got the spirit of Satan because he wants to be worshipped. He wants his image to be worshipped. Read the Ten Commandments. Worshipping images, idols, make no graven image of anything above in heaven, on earth, or below earth. All right. What do we see in a lot of churches? We see idols and, and images and stuff. And God does not like that. He does not like that. Okay. So there's been a commandment that's pretty much been put forth on Daniel and the people. And he said, okay, all those and whosoever falleth down not and worship the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, burning, fiery furnace. Well, there we have it. <clears throat> what is, what is Luke saying? It said that we will be, you will either be put into the barn or you will be put into the furnace or the, 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 the unquenchable fire. And what are we seeing here? We're seeing that if you don't go down and if you don't belong to Nebuchadnezzar's camp, you will be burned. Okay, so see, we're seeing Satan try to put the same judgments on God's people as he's going to put on the wicked when he comes to judge, not only, you know, in the old time, but also in the in the revelation in the end of days, the tribulation, which will be fire. Remember, water was the first judgment. The last judgment that will come will be by fire. All right. So this is why it's important to know what you are. Are you wheat or are you chaff? Okay. Are you going to be gathered up into the barn or are you going to be thrown into the fire? All right. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar says that you will be put into a fire. Okay. And so there are so um, verse 12. There are certain Jews whom had set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, It is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do, you not ser do, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the hark, you know, we're going to just kind of, you know, because for the sake of time. So he's telling them, I'm going to put anybody that doesn't worship this into the fiery furnace. Okay, verse 16. And they say, oh, king, we will not serve you. We will. And we know that if you try to throw us in the burning furnace, that we are secure in, in God's basket or in his hand. So see, he's going to deliver them and they already know it. They know that their mission's not done because they have the Holy Ghost in a way speaking to them like God is still interacting with humans today through the Holy Spirit and he was interacting with people back in the day and he would give them visions dreams he appeared to Moses as a burning bush remember God is always trying to communicate with the people that are truly living for him he doesn't want to be a secret God he's he actually hates that people try to make him a secret God because he is the true God and so that they're saying to to King Nebuchadnezzar right here 
If it be so that you throw us, so he's saying, they're telling, if you put us in the fire, our God whom is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it, be it known, thy king, that the, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So even if they didn't get delivered, see, this is the great faith that they had. See, what is, what is going to save them here soon? It's their faith, because they even mention right here, we will be delivered. But if we're not, just know we died for our God. We were martyred for the truth and the true God because we will refuse to, to bow down and worship your God. So just know if we die, you're going to lose out on some pretty good counseling. Because <laughs> remember, nobody could tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream until Daniel and he got the revelation from God, okay, in a vision. And so here we are. We see that Nebuchadnezzar ultimately, so... Verse 20, and he commanded that the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. So he, he's now placed judge, unrightful, unrighteous judgment on these men because they won't bow to the golden image. Remember, God hates the golden images. Remember, he hated when Israel put up the golden calf. We see this continuously out through history and what man is doing, erecting statues God hates it so much, people, like seriously. And so they bound them up. And these, verse 21, then that these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments, and they were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and that the furnace exceeding hot, unquenchable fire, see unquenchable fire. We see this in, in Luke, the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So not only did you know, was Nebuchadnezzar just trying to kill these men? He, excuse me, he made the, he made the furnace burn so hot that when they opened it up to throw them inside, the flames came out and actually consumed the men that opened up the, the fiery furnace. So these were not the only men that got killed that day. That's, this is how hot and unquenchable and how like nobody stands a chance in this fire. Nobody, but these men, they've got great faith because they know that they are the wheat. They know that they are in the basket. They know that they are in God's hand. They are taken care of by God. He is the true God, the protector. Okay. And so um, they're thrown in the fire. Verse 23. And these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. So... We're kind of going through trials right now. You go through the fire. It says in 2 Corinthians, our works will be tested by the fire. But if our work found to not be good, or if it doesn't have good fruit attached to it, it will be burned, but ye shall still be saved. What does that mean? All of our things will be tested by the fire. You know, the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's what they call it when it comes upon you is the fire. Okay, so the fire has a huge representation of things as well. Okay, and so, and verse 27, 
And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor not a hair of their head was singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed upon them. Wow. All right, we see that God literally has protected them from even getting smoke on their garment. All right, so if you don't believe that God is going to protect you, then, you know, you're going to you don't have as that that little faith these men just had a little bit of faith that god would deliver them okay remember they had the faith that god would deliver them and if they didn't they weren't going to be mad about it because they'd go be with god or they before this you know you went to abraham's bosom but that's a whole another thing you know this there's a lot of layers to this there's a lot of layers of the bible so if you're one of those people that has read the bible one time or you're like oh i've read the bible well you need to read it more. You need to read it again and over and over because it's God's word. He's revealing things to us through the scripture. Okay. It's not just some book to guide us. It's literally God's word. All right. And so we see that, that Nebuchadnezzar is, wants to be Satan pretty much past judgment. And he did pass judgment. And we see that he tried to burn up God's people, that he tried to throw them into the fiery furnace. All right. And so it's truly amazing. So where do we see this happen? Well, we see who, did, who wanted to be worshipped and it, it happened to Jesus himself. So we go to Matthew 4, okay? Matthew chapter 4, we see that um, we'll actually read this whole thing. We'll, we'll read up to... Uh, We'll read up to verse 17, okay? And we'll just see the the temptation of Jesus and, and uh, or of, you know, Jesus getting tempted by the devil. Remember, he fasted for 40 days and was in the desert and was at his weakest time. And so Satan knew that he might be able to even get God. This is how arrogant Satan is and how stupid he is. Honestly, he's, he's kind of stupid because he really thinks that he can overthrow the creator. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. And that's, what's going to get him thrown into the lake of fire is his just rebellion and his pride. Pride is the ultimate killer of a human. So we need to take our pride and just you know, lower it down a notch because that comes from the devil. The pride is not of God. You know, we can be proud to be Christian and, and stand firm on God's word and what he teaches and be proud to follow God, but to be proud as a human and say, Oh, well, I know this, or you don't know that, or that spirit is literally rooted in Satan. That's what made him fall initially was pride. Pride and iniquity was found in his heart. All right. So Matthew chapter four, we see, like I said, continue to bear with me as I continue to. <laughs> so we see in Matthew uh, chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. Present. We see Jesus is getting tempted by Satan. And what does he do? Just that, that kind of takes us back to Daniel. All right, we'll see. Let's, let's make the connection here. Now, see, we've made multiple connections here through multiple different writings and teachings that happen on different times of the year because God does not change. His ways do not change and what's going to happen does not change. It's pretty laid out and it's pretty amazing when you make all these connections. So Matthew chapter four, and it was led and, and <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. 
Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was af afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made of bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All right, so you don't live by men's words. You don't live by the decree of kings and rulers or like King, King Nebuchadnezzar. You will do this or you will do that. You will do this to work at a job. You will do this to go grocery shopping. Are you starting to understand? We do not follow those degrees, but we, and we do not get tempted to, to fall into these temptations of the tempter. So that we can have our bread, but we shall live by the words of God because he is the living bread. He is the living water. So remember, if you're hungry and you can't get any bread, God could make manna fall from the sky just like he did on the Israelites. So just remember, see, it, it's all Jesus is trying to reveal the truth of what it is. We'll eat bread till the day we die and it won't keep us alive. But if we eat this bread the bread of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and we use that to consume and fill our belly, then we will be full and we will not like need the world. You see what I'm saying? It's amazing. So verse five, then the devil taketh him up to a holy city, city and setteth him up on a pinnacle on the top of a pen uh, on the top. Uh, sorry. Then the devil taketh him up to the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou shalt be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands, that they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So see, devil just is trying to get Jesus to pretty much succumb to him and to take the Lord's, you know, teachings and, and words in vain and, and go against them. But Jesus isn't going to do that because he's God. So he's the devil's just trying to play a game here that he knows he can't win. But it's amazing how he will go after. So if he went after God, knowing that he was God in the flesh, what do you think he's going to do when he comes to tempt you or one of his his legion come to tempt you? Are you as strong as God? So just remember, this is why it's so important to root yourself in the word and to put on the armor of God, Ephesians, okay? Uh, put on the armor every single day because this is how you're protected from the devil, all right? And so then the uh, verse 8, again, the devil taketh them up to an exceedingly high mountain and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship thy, the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. How amazing. How amazing. So um, the king wanted to, you know, the king of Babylon, what did he do? He wanted to make sure that the statue would be visible in all of Babylon and the kingdom. So he gathered together all the governors, the people, and he said, and he put it in plain sight and, uh, 60 cubits is approximately like 90 feet. So this statue was like a 10 story building just to put it in perspective how tall the statue was everybody could see the statue that's why he he was so proud and arrogant like his father the devil at the time of making this this statue and wanting to be worshiped and have all these false gods 
he made sure that everybody could see him all right and that's who do we see a lot of on earth right now if you know symbols and signs and you can see we see a lot of satanism and we see a lot of that one eye stuff that literally is a representation of lucifer and consciousness and you know that's a once again a whole nother teaching but it's a, it's safe to assume that the statue was so visible that when the music started everybody in babylon would fall and then worship and they would they would like look in the direction of the statue satan being like nebuchadnezzar and nebuchadnezzar like satan wanted to be worshiped remember what did he tell jesus and uh he said all these things he saith unto me i will give these i will give thee if thou fall down and worship me Ah, so God wants to be worshipped, but so does Satan. So, of course, this this is why it's a spiritual war, because Satan is trying to be worshipped, whether that be knowingly or unknowingly. You have to understand that he wants to be worshipped. He wants to set up his kingdom. He wants people to fall away from the truth. He wants them to follow his light and not the light of the world, which is Christ. He wants them to be blinded by the light, not have the darkness exposed by the light. You see, Jesus came to expose the darkness with the light, came to bring us out of darkness with the light. Jesus or Satan uses his light to blind the people of the truth you see you've had like one of those high beams you know one of those really crazy um one of those really uh crazy uh you know big flashlights or something or you know hit you stadium lights hit you in the eye and you're just like ah i can't see that's what satan does with his light when when somebody comes into these mystery schools or these rituals and they find out that he's not a little red devil they say oh wow you're an angel of light they really think that he he he's a good entity because he seems like he's bright and brilliant it's amazing so he wants to be worshiped so we're seeing the the wheat and the tear, the ones that are the wheat, just like Daniel and all the other one, all the other prophets and disciples. They belong to God, and He will deliver them. And the the chaff are thrown into the fire. So those men that worked for Nebuchadnezzar that opened up the furnace that they made burn so hot, what were they? They were chaff. And what were they? They were burned. You see, even right there, you see that representation of the wheat, God's people, who they said he will deliver us, and the chaff, Nebuchadnezzar's men or the men of the world or not worshiping the true God, they got burned. They weren't protected. They were burned. So see, that was a representation of you will be judged by the fire if you are not protected by the one that considers you wheat. Who is that? Jesus, God. If you're in his palm or you're in his basket, you cannot fall away. You cannot just like be thrown into the fire because he's storing you up. He's going to take you. This is what, you know, also is a representation of the rapture when he gathers the wheat and puts them into the place to store where are we going we're gonna go meet jesus in the clouds and he will store us away until we come back and we rule for the thousand year millennium read the bible people this is what it's teaching all right so with that we have an understanding of the wheat and the tear the separation the throwing in the fire and 
it's truly amazing to make all these connections and to see these things. Like it, this is just a small amount of time that I've made multiple connections from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from Jesus's words to Daniel's vision to Nebuchadnezzar to how Satan tempted Jesus. You see, ping ping. It's like going ping. It's like going back back and forth and pong. Like you go in the Old Testament, boom. You go to the New Testament, boom. Like neither of them are, are canceling out each other they're they're confirming each other the old confirms the new and the new confirms the old you see jesus is is the the thing that brought it all together and that's why it's amazing to have the scripture now and to have the full story we have the revelation we have the end so in a way the end is already set but there's many things that need to happen and the free will that we've been given is what brings this all together and God wants you to choose. This is why he made you the way he made you is because he wants you to choose him. He doesn't want you to be forced. He doesn't want you to have some, he doesn't want to be the, like Satan where he forces you into, if you see this or you hear this or you do this, then you must fall down and worship immediately or else you will die. What kind of life is that? What kind of life is that where you're just always living in fear that if you don't do the right thing at the right time, that you're going to be killed by somebody that's higher than you or has higher authority. You know, we, we see so many, so much persecution of Christians just because of their faith in Christ. Like people say Christianity is here to control you yet. When somebody becomes Christian, they become a threat to a nation. I mean, look how fast it took, took Rome three years after Jesus passed to start really taking the, taking like Christianity and the spread of the gospel serious because they were like, this is a threat to the kingdom. And that's why they ultimately went to the temples and destroyed everything. Like they really have been trying to stamp out Jesus and, and the Bible. So if it's, if it's a tool of control written by just men, then they're not doing a very good job of control us because what did Jesus say? The truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. So you can be free today. You can become a, a piece of wheat. You know, you're a shell right now. You know, the wheat and like everything's together before it's ready and God has to shake everything. So sometimes you got to shake, you, you know, shake, shake, you, shake you awake to say, hey, wake up. Do you want to be gathered with the good harvest or do you want to be tossed into the fire? Because God has no time for waste. He doesn't want people that don't want to be with him. You know, just like if, you know, with my house right now. If I knew a stranger or I met a stranger and the stranger told me straight up, I hate you and I hate your family and I hate everything about you and I want to kill you. Do you think I would want this person in my house now? Jesus loves, you know, the wretched wrecked sinner, you know, the worst of the worst. This is why he died for him. But would you want this person truly living in your house? Say you had to like room them forever. Like say you ha had the ability to live forever and this person came up to you and was like, I'm going to just cause complete chaos and destruction and terror in your house with your family and your friends and the ones that don't want to be this way. I'm going to come in and wreck it all. Yeah, God already had that happen with Satan. So he's not really down for, for that uh, way. And so this is why this... All, the new the new way was prepared through Jesus. It was always the plan. You know, it was always the plan because that's there's a consequence with free will. You have to have the choice of yes or no. All right. And so once you start understanding this and you start seeing that God wants you to choose to be gathered into his hand, once you accept him and you are given the Holy Spirit, you are now put into the basket, which he will gather you from. So right now we see this shaking and we see this. 
we see this, you know, just separating really right now. You know, we're, we're really seeing a separating on the earth right now. I really do believe that. I really believe that, you know, this idea of the harvest and this time on earth, like God is really separating his people right now, his bride from the ones that are not part of his bride. You know, many will be gone in the rapture and be taken just like when you harvest the, you know, that when the harvest comes, you take it away. You take that to the place where it will be safe and stored. And then with the chaff, you, you burn it. So, I want you to just think about that. I want you to study. I want you to read Daniel, Matthew. I mean, you need to read all of these things on a deeper level in your own study to get what I'm trying to make the connection here. But if you can't see the connection, well, then your faith might not be as strong as, as a mustard seed. And it takes just a little bit of faith. So work on that. Work on, you know, growing your faith and not needing signs and proof always to see that God is truly trying to wake us up and he's trying to use people like me and other people and the disciples, anybody that can be called by God and will hear his voice and do his will. He will bring you into the barn. All right. And so I love you all. I truly do. And I want you to, 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 to be saved today. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt believe in thy heart that Jesus rose from the dead and confess with thy mouth, you shall be saved. It's that simple. What did the thief on the cross do? He looked at Jesus and he said, I believe who you are, Lord. I know that I belong here. I know I belong to be judged and killed for my wicked, evil ways. But you do not. You are perfect. You are, you are God. And he said, today you shall be with me in paradise. So what an amazing amazing thing for the bible and god to give us the thief on the cross to show us sometimes you know we can't be perfect and sometimes we can't do all the things that even the bible tells us to do be baptized so the thief didn't have time to do any of that he didn't have time to go make amends with all those that he'd wronged and stole from and potentially harmed he was stuck on the cross by jesus but jesus looked at him and he said I'm doing this for you. And because you believe what I'm doing right now, ye shall be with me in paradise. And with that, I want to leave you with the last thing from Luke 10 2. What did Jesus say about this harvest? And what did he call us to do? Preach the gospel. This is the main message of God. Preach the gospel to everyone. Plant the seeds. You are just a gardener. If you're a Christian right now, you should consider yourself a farmer because you should have a pocket full of seeds, which are seeds of faith that, that are rooted in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And you should be tossing those seeds out everywhere. You know, like back in the day, they would just take the seeds and throw them wherever they could grow. And so there's actually a parable of what the seed, you know, some seeds will set into the ground and they will grow strong and they will be rooted. Some will not grow, you know, because they don't get strong roots or they get in mixed up with weeds and so then you can't tell what that that seed is going to be because it's mixed and so you have to wait all these all these parables and all these analogies with seeds it's truly amazing to see how it works with our own lives with our food and with god and his plan of salvation we're just supposed to plant seeds right now and god is telling us to preach the gospel but then if you preach the gospel to also Go forth and, and and gather the those people. Like, you know, people that you help bring to the Lord, instruct them. Help help bring them into the great harvest so that they can be a worker for the harvest as well. Because what did Jesus say in Luke 10 too? He said, 
Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Go on your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoe, and salute to no man by the way. And in whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. Peace be to your house, because I'm not here to condemn you. I'm as wretched as a sinner, and, and I deserve hell more than, you know, most people as a Christian. Like, truly, I, I know where I'm destined to go if it was on my own accord. But because I'm saved by God's grace, and because the Holy Spirit comes inside and, and lives inside of me, He is the one that does the good work. He is the one that motivates me to want to preach the gospel, because I don't want to see anybody be like the rich man, where they get tossed into hell, and they find out. There's no leaving. There's no second chance. There's no reser there's no reincarnation. There's no chance. This is your chance right now. If you're listening to this or you're watching this, this is your chance to get into the barn. This is your chance to be gathered up. But if you want to take on the fire and you think that you're you, you know, you think that you can withstand the unquenchable fire that the Satan will, will toss into you and that God will also toss you into. Cause remember he tosses it into the, he's going to toss Satan and everything into the lake of fire. So God is the one that throws away the waste, but Satan's trying to get you all wrapped up into that. So don't get wrapped up into it. Put on the armor of God and, and be a harvester. Okay. Be a laborer, be somebody that wants to bring people into the barn. That is what God is calling us to do. And that's why I wanted to talk about the wheat and the tare today is because I want you to decide what you are. Are you wheat or are you a tare? Are you rooted and are you strong and heavy and I'm built on and, are, and do you build your things and your house upon rock or are you just a sand grain that or a little chaff shell that once you get blown into the a, a small storm, you'll just blow away and wither away and and nothing will come from being like that. So I pray for you all. I love you. I thank you all for tuning into this episode. And I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that we can continue to do this and, and put out more content. I really do appreciate everyone's support. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at dmike77 or Watchman Inc. On Twitter, Facebook, also Instagram. And that's where I get into a lot of stories and just personal daily things. And and yeah, we're just going to continue to grow this and we're going to continue to be laborers for Christ because that's what he calls us to do. So be a watchman. Watchmen are laborers. They are people that are on the wall working and watching for the city. And then when they see trouble, they blow the horn. So that's all I am. I'm just a watchman on the wall along with many others. And we're blowing the trumpet right now telling you something is coming. Something is coming and you do not want to get caught up in that. You do not want to get caught up in the fire. You want to get caught up into the clouds. And so with that, we'll see you in the next one. I love you so much. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. To know the duty of a watchman, please read Ezekiel 33. Join the movement today. Follow on Instagram at Watchman Inc. for more details, content, and community interaction. Links in the description. God bless. Thank you.